there. Hopefully it's not too distracting. To me. But I, if it gets if it goes blank, I'll just turn the TV off. Okay. All right. So hey, good morning. Uh, it's uh, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And uh, we're glad that you chose to join us. We're glad to be together. We're glad to be community and family together. And um, <clears throat> anybody still got a, a team in the uh, NFL playoffs? Kansas City's still, still rocking, so that'll be, that'll be exciting. No one else I'm really interested in. Everybody else beat my team. <laughs> but... Uh, <clears throat> You know, so we are, we're in, we're just starting a series uh, through the Gospel of Luke, looking at that, that golden thread throughout Scripture of the, the humble obedience of Jesus and, and his disciples and, and, and really others who hear the message and express their faith in who God is and what he can do. Uh, and so what we, we looked at uh, last time is in the first couple of verses of the, the book of Luke, he talks about how he investigated everything, um, eyewitness accounts, back to the beginning in order to write an account for the most honorable Theophilus so they could know the truth. And does anybody remember what Theophilus means? Yeah? Lover of God, friend of God. Um, so we, as lovers and friends of God, position ourselves to receive his revelation of himself. And we, we need to be ready to have our mindsets shifted, challenged on how we understand who God is and and, and what he is doing, and, and even how he invites us to live out our faith. So, <clears throat> today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is led into the wilderness. He spends 40 days there, praying and fasting. He doesn't eat any food. The devil's like, Hmm. He's weak. I'm going to get in there and attack him. And I, I thought it was interesting. And there goes the screen. Okay. There we go. Um, <clears throat> so this is right at the beginning of Jesus' um, ministry. Where he just like this is where he set, you know, hangs hangs up his tool belt. I'm doing carpentry. And he goes, he goes to find John the Baptist in the River Jordan, gets baptized, and immediately goes into this wilderness. And, it, and it's, I was thinking about, <clears throat> okay, so you want to play football. Great. We're going to have you play three games a day for a month against championship teams. That's a little much. That's what God leads Jesus to do here in Luke chapter 4. And you know what? Sometimes we uh, preachers will 
stringy along, stringy along, and then have the big reveal at the end. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna turn that upside down, and I'm gonna do the reveal at the beginning, and, and we're gonna keep coming back to it over and over and over again. Why would he do this? How, how could he do this? How does Jesus survive, right? So, again, we're gonna be pulling on the golden thread woven through scripture of the humble obedience of Jesus and his disciples as they put their faith in God's love for them and engage in R-I-S-K. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story that has been passed down from Jesus to his friends and then recorded in Scripture for us. Lord, as we wrestle with our own tests and our own temptations that we face, Lord, that this would be this would be some discipleship for us, some mentoring for us, why this happens and how to survive it. God, we ask you to come in your Holy Spirit, open our minds to understand, and open our hearts to receive you. Amen. Okay, so yes, we are, our main verses are Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And in order to give us some context, I'm going to read from chapter 3, starting in verse 21. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. And then, you know, it's interesting. So then Luke says in verse 23, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry, and then he spends the next 25 verses, or 15 verses, going back through history of Jesus' lineage. Jesus was the son of Joseph. And then Joseph was a son of Toledo. It goes back through to Adam. And Adam was the son of God. So it's like Luke is saying, yeah, Jesus is God's son. Not just um, from his like divine being, but also we can track it through uh, history, historical lineage. That was for free. Okay, here we go. Then Jesus, this is chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, where he got baptized. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all, nothing all that time, and became very hungry. So, <clears throat> here's the big reveal. Jesus gets baptized out of a, a sense of obedience. He's positioning himself not as God's right-hand son, but as a humble servant son desiring to do the will of his Father. And the Father 
speaks from heaven and says, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. In our worship, the guy um, Scott was talking about how God's always present with us. So, Jesus, in humility and in faith, uh, follows the leading of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And he doesn't eat for 40 days. And in that time, he, he gets hungry. And in that time, the devil is attacking him and tempting him. And the devil's temptations are enticements to do evil. And we'll, we'll take a look at the three things that Luke mentions And, and kind of the, the long and the short of it is that Satan suggests easier ways to win men's hearts and to fulfill his mission than the way of the cross that lay before him. What will Jesus do? So here we go. <laughs> chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For our friends up in uh, northern Minnesota. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, F. <laughs> Do we need a moment? <laughs> if, uh, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. So what I want to take a look at is. <clears throat> Jesus, in his humble position as a uh, follower of the leading of the Holy Spirit, God's Son, from that, that voice, as well as from Scripture, uses Scripture to answer Satan's enticements. Oh, you're hungry. Hmm? Just tell the stone to become bread. Is it wrong to eat? No. Is it wrong to go hungry? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> so here, but he, so here, so Jesus takes a a little snippet out of um, Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses two and three, and he says. The scriptures say people do not live on bread alone. So here's, here's the full context of his response. Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live on bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So Jesus understands, and it's interesting, but we'll, you know what, there's so much to unpack here. Okay, I'm just going to keep going. 
Jesus risks weakness and hunger in his obedience to the Holy Spirit. And even when he is enticed to tell a stone to turn into bread, you can do it if you're the Son of God. He certainly could do that. But was he led by the Holy Spirit to do that? No. So rather than... He, he had mastery over his physical body and his, and his mind and his spirit. And even if he didn't, he was leaning on the presence, the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be the strength to endure. Let's continue. Devil's not done yet. All right. Uh, chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, He's like, he's, he's like hangry, maybe? Jesus replied, The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So again, here's the full context. He's, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. It says, You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. When you take an oath, you must use only his name. Loosely translated, the Lord God must be the highest authority in your life. It is interesting um, <clears throat> when that voice came out of heaven, the words are similar to uh, Psalm chapter 2. It says, The king. Um, starting in verse 7, the king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Here's chapter, uh, verse 8, the, the one that comes right after that. So if, if Jesus is, is saying, yes, I take on faith that what you said to me, God, is true. And like Psalm 2, verse 7 and 8, like that voice from heaven kind of reiterated or said again, his word is consistent. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Here's verse 8. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. So <clears throat> the devil is saying, hey, these are mine to give. Even, even if that's a temporary position of, of, the, of the devil as the prince of the power of uh, the, the air here, um, God's promise has already been made through the Old Testament. And, and Jesus can say, 
you're asking me to worship you to get something that god's already promised he's going to give me you know what i'm not even going to i'm not even going to worry about you know when you've got access to this stuff the lord god um you must worship the lord your god and serve him only how about that devil so Jesus risks <clears throat> waiting for the glory and authority of the kingdoms of the world as he follows his father's plan for his life. Scripture says that God will put all of the nations under Jesus' feet. And in contrast to the prodigal son that we're familiar with, he told his dad, I would rather you be dead so I can take my inheritance now. Just give me the money that I would get if you're dead. And then he goes off and he does his own thing. Jesus is faithfully obeying God and he's continually in that position of I trust you and I'm following your lead. All right. Devil's got another trick up his sleeve. Here we go. Verse 9. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So one of the things that the devil will do is he will pervert scripture by taking it out of context. Do you know anybody that does that? Ooh, Christians do that sometimes. Ooh. You must not test the Lord your God. Again, this is from Deuteronomy 6.16. And so the book of Deuteronomy is, the timeline is, the Israelites have been wandering around the desert for 40 years. They're about to go into the promised land, and Moses gathers them up, and he's like, it's like state of the church address, right? State of the nation. He's like, okay, here's where, here's God's code of conduct. Don't forget it, because you, you follow him, you get all these blessings. You veer off, He's going to take it away. Deuteronomy 6.16 says, You must not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Massa. These, the context of these verses that Jesus is using when he is responding to the devil's enticements are from Deuteronomy, which 
keep referring back to the Lord taking the tribe of Israel through a wilderness in order to, let me read from Deuteronomy 8 again, testing you to prove your character. Find out whether or not you will obey his commands. In Deuteronomy 6.16, God's like, don't test me like you did when you complained at Massa. So in the context of Jesus' response, he's saying Jesus risks following the leading of the Holy Spirit instead of leveraging a loophole in Scripture to rise and fame quickly. Because the idea is that it would be, if he, if he jumped off the tallest spire of the temple, people would see him fall, and then the angels protect him and keep him from hurting himself, he'll gain all this notoriety and fame, and people will follow him. Because he can jump off that tower and fall a mile and still live. And Jesus says, no, I'm not testing the Lord. The code is, you don't do that. You don't test the Lord. And, and, and again, the, where, um, so the devil perverts the word of God. One way he does it is taking it out of context. So he quotes Psalm 91, 11 through 12. And the thing is, it speaks of those who make the Lord their refuge, being protected. And the devil's enticement is, well, he said this? Yeah, but it's in the context of all this other stuff. If, if the Holy Spirit leads me to jump, I will jump. But he's not. So Jesus directly faced temptation and evil in his weakness. He was, I mean, it, it says here he was very hungry. And from my um, commentary, it says, It is striking that all three of his replies to the tempter should be drawn from a context so much concerned with Israel's being tested by God and putting God to the test in the wilderness. The Father's acknowledgement of him as his son was sufficient for this true Israelite. He would not put God to the test by compelling him to show by a miracle that he meant what he said. In humility and obedience, Jesus put his faith in God's word that was spoken to him at his baptism. In humility and obedience, Jesus follows the leading of the Holy Spirit to the wilderness for 40 days. In his hunger and weakness, through faith in God's call on his life, Jesus directly faced temptation and evil. Now, when we think about this, we probably get a little anxious, don't we? 
The truth is, guys, and and if anybody have you have lived <laughs> on Earth with other people, uh, I, I think you'll agree. Testing and weakness, and sometimes wilderness, are all part of the human experience. Rather than hiding our weaknesses or denying feelings of loss, like many of us have experienced in a whole new way in the previous year, etc., we can directly face these things and bring them to our Father. Some knee-jerk reactions to weakness and testing can be resistance and rebellion. But we can see from, from Jesus' example Our goal is is like an interior freedom. Jesus was free to not turn a stone into bread because he considered himself fully in the presence of his Father who loves him and choosing to follow his choice for Jesus' life. Can we embrace the place that we find ourselves in, facing the temptations that are presented to us? Can we get to a place of consent, saying yes to the Holy Spirit's leading, even when his path does not lead to a garden, but to a wilderness? Tests occur to confirm our growth. For several years, I was a, a, a training manager at my job, and there was a lot to learn about our company and what we do and how we do things. And tests were a way to confirm, not only are you hearing what I'm, hearing this training, but you can reiterate the training so that when questions come up, when you're dealing with a client, you are a good representative for our company with the, a, an answer that is consistent with what they would hear from anyone else. One of the, the scriptures that I was reading uh, earlier was John chapter 15 talking about the Jesus is the true vine and we're branches. The gardener prunes the branch, washes it, cleans it in order to increase fruit production. So Jesus going out to the desert for 40 days and not eating anything is a proving ground. And uh, his, his, uh, this 40-day fast is actually not new. Moses and Elijah are both recorded as spending 40 days fasting and being in the presence of the Lord. So Jesus followed the leading of the Holy Spirit to endure that test. The devil takes advantage of Jesus' weakened state from hunger. 
Is that fair? No. Devil takes cheap shots, right? Anywhere he can. And here we go. Let's finish this up. John chapter, I'm sorry, John, Luke, Luke chapter 4, verse 13. Let me ask this, this way here. What happens when Jesus resists him and answers him with the word of God? When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. From the position of being God's beloved son or daughter who brings him great joy, you can face tests and temptations. And what I mean when I say that is, you and I can do it not on our own. Can I get an amen? John chapter 15, verses 9 and 11 say this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus gets baptized. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He follows the leading of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and is tempted by the devil for 40 days. Boot camp. God throws us into situations where we are in way over our heads so that we can prove that yes, God does love us. And yes, he is present with us through anything. And on my own, I can't do anything. But with God, I can do anything. God can accomplish anything through me. Not because of who I am, because of who he is. I'll tell you something. This morning, I didn't feel great. I was feeling kind of weak and tired. And and I was sitting back there talking to Carly. And it was like the Lord's like, hey, check this out. And he like lined up what I'm feeling with the message. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I get to be weak. And God gets to do amazing things. In spite of my weakness. Okay. How about I just step out of the way, God? And you just do your God thing. Jesus put his faith in the words of the voice from heaven. You are my dearly loved son. He followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, and while in the wilderness not eating anything, he endured the temptations from the devil. And here is how all in 
Jesus is about facing temptation. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 9, I'm going to be reading verses 43 through 50. Is that right? Is seven verses? Anyway, I'm going to read it from the message translation because it gets real. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 9. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. If your hand or your foot are in God's way, chop it off and throw it away. You're better off maimed or lame and live than the proud owner of two hands and feet in a furnace of eternal fire. And if your eye distracts you from God, pull it out and throw it away. You're better off one-eyed and alive than exercising your 20-20 vision from inside the fire of hell. In the face of test, temptations, and incitement to do evil, will I look out for my goal, or will I rest in who he says that I am? Will I risk saying yes to God when it means saying no to my hunger? No to shortcuts to my goal. And no to promises made by the devil. Will I put my faith in my good? By my eyes? Or his greatest for my life? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and we engage in risk when we put our faith in God's love for us. Let's pray. God, we ask you to screw that truth into our heads, into our hearts, into our very souls, Lord. Lord, may that become, may that truth be what we believe, and may what we believe influence how we think, and may our thoughts impact our actions so that when we find ourselves enduring tests, rather than complaining and looking for shortcuts, we would remind ourselves, I am dearly loved by God. And I will listen and obey the Holy Spirit's leading rather than Look for the paths that I can see to get me a shortcut to fame and notoriety or a shortcut to my own rumbly tummy or a shortcut to authority. As co-heirs with Christ, the nations are our inheritance.
So God, I, I do ask that in, in the day, in, in today, and the, the tests and temptations and enticements that we face, uh, even right now, stuff that had you know, happened last week or even yesterday or even this morning, Lord, may we put our faith in you and who you say you are and who you say we are And may our position continue to be like Jesus, which is fully submitted to you in your plan. Your plan will always be bigger and greater than anything we can imagine. We want our lives to bring glory to you. And in these weak and broken vessels... Huh. it's not hard for you to get the glory and for it to not be us. Hmm. Share your vision with us, Lord, for our lives for this year, for the impact that you want to have in our community the people that you want to see accept you as their family and accept themselves as your family. May we see people introduced to you, Jesus, and give their hearts to you this year. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we close here, I'm going to read our blessing that um, our friend sang to us earlier. This is from uh, Numbers chapter 6. And again, I just want to give us the context. This is God telling Moses, this, it's like a gift, right? This is, this is what I want you to teach the priest to tell the people. It's you and me. This is how you bless the people. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And then he says, when you bless the people in my name, I bless them. God's desire is to bless us. And he teaches us how to position ourselves to receive his blessing. And so I'm just going to pronounce it one more time. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I pray that you make these things new for us today. That we would experience next level smiles from the Lord. Next level blessings and protection. Next level grace next level favor, and next level peace. And Lord, may we find ways to share your generous gift with those around us. Amen. Mm. Hmm. All right. Um,